Welcome to the PSD cast of Power Systems Design. I'm your host, Jason Lumberg, and in today's episode, we're discussing gallium nitride's application in connected automobiles. If you've read our blogs and technical features, or if you've just been paying attention for the last decade or so, you know how important the Internet things is, and one of the most important beneficiaries of the IoT is the automotive sector, the, the promise of a fleet of vehicles communicating with each other to share critical data and hopefully reduce accidents. Uh, Alex Lido from Efficient Power Conversion recently wrote a piece titled Connected Vehicles Will Make Their Connections Through Gallium Nitride. And in it, he mentioned that 12 million cars could be autonomous by 2035, and 32 million will have electric propulsion. And both of these trends are putting significant stress on the aging silicon MOSFET. And this creates a huge opportunity for, for GAN to come in and pick up the slack. So we're, we're proud to welcome Alex to the show to discuss this trend and others, and let's dive right in. So Alex, in your article, you discussed the ascendance of GAN for connected vehicles. So why exactly has the silicon MOSFET been found lacking for autonomous cars? So Jason, there are a lot of reasons. First of all, silicon is 60-year-old technology, so you know at some point it has to run out of gas, as it were. Uh, the first right. application that, uh, that GAN really made inroads in with, uh, with vehicles was LIDAR, light detection and ranging, which is used on, on all the autonomous cars today. And it really illustrates why GAN is encroaching on the, the aging silicon infrastructure. Uh, silicon is about 100 times slower than GAN. Uh, and the very fast switching speed of GAN allows you to fire these packets of photons out of a laser that are so tightly compacted that you get very high resolution uh, photons returning, even if they go long distances, like 300 meters, which is required for fully autonomous cars. So very quickly, GAN got designed into all the LiDAR systems and all the autonomous cars, and now drones and security systems and robots as well. And that was the first entrance. Uh, since then, there have been many other entry points of GAN. Um, and uh, just one example is as we go to electrified cars, the power requirements of the car grows. For example, uh, you know, 20 years ago, it was normal for a car to use about 500 watts of electricity just to power stuff. Nowadays, mm -hmm. uh, three kilowatts is pretty common. And uh, when you add start-stop functions, electric turbocharging, my, uh, you know, even more aggressive mild hybrids or even full electric, it goes from three kilowatts up to even 80 kilowatts. Uh, so as you go up in power, you need more efficient power conversion. And GAN devices, in theory, can be 6,000 times smaller than silicon for the same power levels. In practice, we're about 10 to 20 times smaller. Uh, so you can uh, either uh, manage your, your electrical power grid more efficiently, uh, or you can do it in a much smaller space, or both. Uh, mm -hmm. And then finally, in things like uh, um, uh, the electric drive itself, the motor drives uh, can be made much more efficient with gallium nitride, although I think that's still a few years in the future. Mm -hmm. now you mentioned LiDAR uh, and, and how it was uh, one of the first automotive applications to make use of, of, of GAN transistors and ICs. Why do you think that was the, the, the first one, and why was it, you know, why was it such a clear fit for GAN? 
So I think it was a little serendipitous. Um, the uh, Google was running around uh, all over the world with these cars that had cameras on them and a GPS locator, so because they were creating a Google map of the world. This is maybe ten or so years ago, and they got the idea that if they could digitize that map uh, in three dimensions, that they would then have a a product that was of value for a variety of reasons, uh, not all of which I know. And uh, a gentleman by the name of Dave Hall at Velodyne came up with the idea of attaching a, a rotating beacon flashing lasers or a LIDAR system on top of these Google mapping cars as a way of automatically digitizing the, the streets as the cars drive along. And it could be referenced to both the, the photographs that the cars take and the GPS signal. Well, this was great except with silicon because it's so slow you can't really get good resolution uh, with with uh, a LiDAR system. You could get maybe a 10-foot a uh, resolution fuzzy image of what's going on. Uh, but Dave Hall figured that if he used these newfangled GAN devices from efficient power conversion, that he could maybe get that resolution down to a couple of centimeters. Uh, well, now, you know, six, seven years later, uh, Google mapping cars all have LiDAR systems, but uh, Google took that to the next step, to autonomous cars. And we have the resolution down to millimeters instead of centimeters uh, for much longer distances. So it really was um, a way of getting a very clear three-dimensional picture of where you are and have XYZ coordinates for everything around you. And that's most easily translated into an understanding of how to drive your car. Right, right. Now, in your article, you mentioned uh, one of the big trends is how 48-volt electrical distribution buses are slowly replacing the 12-volt models. So uh, other than the obvious numerical superiority, what, what advantage does the 48-volt the bus have over the 12-volt? Like, what sort of features does the 48-volt option enable in connected vehicles? So as you, uh, connect, uh, as you conduct more and more power, electrical power throughout the car, as I mentioned, beginning of the century, it was 500 watts, now it's 3 kilowatts, um, the copper wire that you need to string all through your car gets thicker and thicker, uh, proportionate to the amount of current that you have to run through the, the, the wire. Now, as you go up in voltage, the amount of current goes down with the square of the voltage. So if you have, say, uh, a 12-volt line and you need to conduct 3 kilowatts, that means that you've got about 250 uh, amps running through your wire, and that's a thick wire. That would be about as thick as your thumb. Uh, if you go to 48 volts, it's 1 16th that amount, um, or you know, just a, uh, you know, it's uh, you know, a few tens of amperes, and that wire can be just a, a very thin strand of copper. So that drives a lot of the consideration to going to higher voltage buses. And as you go to higher voltages, it's harder for silicon to be efficient in the power conversion down to the 14 volts that you still need for all your legacy systems in a normal car. Mm -hmm. Now, you, you mentioned a, a couple of uh, EPC discrete transistors, and we'll get to those in a moment. But, but you write how both products pass uh, AEC Q101 qualification testing. Now, for those who aren't familiar, um, what is the AOC Q101 test, and what exactly does it entail? So, so the AEC Q101 testing is a 
battery of reliability tests that are uh, specified for you know automotive qualified products. All all car companies ask for um, automotive certified product. It involves taking these parts and uh, taking them up to the highest temperatures and the highest voltages that they're specified to withstand and cooking them there for 1,000 hours or ramping them up and down and up and down, uh, cycling through temperatures, um, exposing them to harsh humidity environments, uh, and uh, doing this over and over again. So parts that go through the AEC Q101 qualification are definitely very robust and good for a car for many, many years. Uh, by the way, we now have four parts that are AEC Q101 qualified. Right. Um, so finally, let's, let's talk about the EPC 2202 and 2203 uh, that, that we just mentioned. So we, we, we already discussed how they completed the qualification, uh, qualification testing, but apart from that, how do they serve the needs of connected vehicles? What, you know, what sort of emerging automotive applications would they be ideal for? So the 2202 uh, and 2203 are, were basically designed for LiDAR applications. Uh, and since that time, we added a 2212, an additional part for even longer distance LiDAR applications. That's also uh, automotive qualified. Uh, and then we've also added a 2206, which is meant for these 48-volt power supplies in these, uh, um, uh, in these new, new generation of cars with 48-volt buses. Right. Okay. Well, uh, thanks for all the great information, Alex. Um, I, I, again, I want to I want to thank you for your time and um, to to our listeners. Uh, be sure to check out uh, Alex's article, which which we'll link to. And um, thanks for tuning in.